This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. FOMO. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO Sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Faux Mondays, the snackable companion to FOMO Sapiens, which will of course be back on Thursday with a full episode. But until then, happy Faux Monday, best day of the week. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now on Thursday, we're going to be talking to John Clifton, CEO of Gallup, about their work uncovering why people are so unhappy in their work, which is a topic that, you know, they've been tracking happiness at work for a very long time. And so we're going to look at the results and what has changed and what we can do to find meaning in our work. So that's a super important topic, one that I certainly have struggled with over the years. (laughs) I'm just going to admit that. It's crazy. Like 70% of people feel disengaged in their work. So that means... uh, basically seven out of 10 of you listening right now, I hate to say it, probably not that high in this group because we, you know, we're a group of entrepreneurs and builders, but still it's just tough. And so we're going to talk about that and how to overcome it. But I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about something just that makes me happy. And that is words. So if you follow me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, I can't help it. I get a plug. You might've seen, I was recently in Washington, D.C., And I went down there with one of my best friends from college to visit because we went to college there, as you know, you may know, now you know, at Georgetown. And so it's kind of like a college reunion guys trip. And because we both love museums, love museums, that's kind of a Georgetown thing. We visited a ton of museums. Very interesting stuff to see. The Holocaust Museum, which I had been to years ago, but is really extraordinarily well done. The African American History Museum, which is newer and also really stunning. We went to this new museum that was very interesting, the Victims of Communism Museum, brand new and definitely thought-provoking. And then we signed up for this museum called Planet Word, Planet Word Museum. And I didn't know much about it, I had heard about it a little bit because over the summer I had met the founder, Ann Friedman, but we signed up to go to this museum and we went there. We had actually a very nice lunch before. It's in the basement. It's this place called Immigrant Food. So I had delicious Persian peas. It was wonderful. 
But then we went to the museum and Anne was kind enough to give us a tour. And this museum, I'm telling you something, it was, it's a blockbuster. Total, totally amazing place. And the story of the museum is really beautiful because Anne Friedman, who is the, you know, I'd say founder of the museum, if we think about it in those sort of sort of entrepreneurial terms. And by the way, this is a very entrepreneurial museum. She had just retired from teaching first grade and she was reading about the Museum of Mathematics in New York. And she thought how cool it was that they were using hands-on activities to make math fun. And so she thought, well, if there's a museum for math, we got to have a museum for words. And so that was the impetus for this project that has turned into this incredible museum. And it's beautiful because it's actually housed within a school. It's this place called the Franklin School, which is in Washington, D.C., of course. It was originally opened in 1869, and they completely rehabilitated the place. But they did so in a way that preserved the history because it's a very historic museum. It's big, five stories. It's right on Franklin Square, which is at 13th and K Streets in northwest Washington, D.C. So you can walk there from the White House. And it's just a beautiful place, so thoughtfully laid out. And the way that the museum is done, it's just like, it's like a trip into the future because I mean, it's the present of course, but the technology that is utilized, but it's utilized in a way that is so engaging. There's all these interactive features. It's the kind of place where whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, you're gonna have fun and learn things. I learned about the origin of our words, how they come from automatopoeia or from Germanic languages or from immigrant communities that moved to the U.S. And so it's just, it's a beautiful place. And what I loved about it is there's this room that is very special. It's the library. And they have this tech where you, they have a bunch of books that are out and you open a book and you place it on a table. And then this like film projects onto the pages of the book and explains what the book is about with some commentary. And they had this uh, this copy of The Phantom Tollbooth, which is a book that I read as a kid, very special book. And I was just enjoying looking at this beautiful display about it. And Anne said to me, you know, have you read this book? I said, yes. And she said, of course, all word lovers read this book and love this book. And so I was, I was like, yes, I'm a word lover. I'm a word lover and words are important because in the US, 32 million adults cannot read. 34% of fourth graders cannot read at a basic level according to tests in 2019. So these things are important. And so I want you to just go, first of all, when you're in DC, go check it out, Planet Word Museum. Go to their website, planetwordmuseum.org and just check out what they do because there's a lot happening there. And it's just, I don't know, I just think it's cool to see innovation in the museum space because a lot of the, the museums in Washington, while they're wonderful and in other places too, it's like text, text, text. It's a lot of reading, right? And it's a little bit like cognitive overload. You sort of, you get to the third room and you're like, wow, I, I don't know how much more of this I can do and there's 43 more rooms. But here, it's you're learning in a much more interactive way. And I think for kids, especially, it's just kind of a no brainer. So that is, that's my pitch for Planet Word. But I do want to talk about how we can use words more powerfully, how we can get more out of words. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, starting right after the break. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. All right, so we're talking about words. Oh, such a favorite topic. Obviously, you guys know I wrote a book. I wrote two books, actually. <laughs> I forgot. Forgot that. So many words. It's like each book is 60,000 words. So that's 120,000 words that I wrote down on paper, and I enjoyed all of them, even the ones that I had to erase and rewrite because one thing you learn when you write a book is you write a page and you think, oh, this is brilliant. And then the next morning, you open up your computer and you read it and you realize it's garbage and you have to throw it away. It's part of the process. But I even love the words I threw away. Now, I just want to talk first about why words are so powerful because it is important just to frame it up. And here's the thing. Number one, words have tremendous impact on how we feel, think, behave. They inspire us to achieve great things like anybody who's watched great speeches or they can hold us back. If you have a negative person around you that's just telling you that you're no good or that you shouldn't do these things or to be a fearful of things that you should try to do, those words, they it's weird. They like ring in your head, right? Two months later, you're still remembering what that person said. Like when I was a kid, people picked on me. They called me, believe it or not, fat pat, okay? That was not very nice. It really messed with me. Seriously, I've had to do so much work to undo that. Don't, don't, don't forget the power of the words that you use with other people, with yourself, how you talk to yourself. They're powerful. Number two, words can be very healing and comforting. And think about when you've gone through a tough time in your life. It's like we seek out people when we're going through tough times that can offer us support. And sometimes, by the way, that support comes from places we least expect. But again, those words stick with us. And so remember to offer people that kind of support. The words can be so powerful. You don't have to necessarily make some grand gesture. Little things count because when you give people words to frame up what's going on in their lives, they carry those things with them going forward. And again, it repeats in the head, it repeats in the head. Number three, obviously words can be used 
to do naughty things, to be bad things, to cause problems in the world. And, you know, obviously that's why we have to be careful about what we say and do with words, right? Because you can motivate people against a group, right? Obviously, I mean, one thing about having visited the Holocaust Museum recently, you watch the behaviors of the Nazi party and how they use words to demonize segments of society, Jewish people, Roma people, and other people in society, and turn people against them. It's 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 incredible the power they can have, not just in the, the way that the words are written or said, but also in just how they're delivered, the facial expressions, the physical expressions. And so there is an incredible amount of power in how these things are put out into the world. And finally, I think this is the one that, for me, I've learned the most as somebody who does a podcast and writes and stuff like that is you kind of frame up how other people see the things that you're experiencing. So if, if I write about something and I'm just trashing it versus you know looking at it objectively, it's going to have a different impact on the reader or the person who's listening to me speak, right? So we have to be careful about how we use words because we never know quite how they will be perceived. And so that's also super important. Now, what I want to do now after the break is give you my seven tips on how to use words more effectively, how to get more out of those words. So we will talk about that just after this break. FOMO. FOMO. All right. So we're talking about words, part three here. Okay. Let's talk about my personal viewpoint on how to, how to use words more effectively as a writer, as a speaker, as a human being, as a citizen. Number one, be yourself. This is really hard to learn, by the way. I remember when I started writing, and I've always loved to write. I'm a word lover, you might have heard. <laughs> so when I started writing, yeah, I was, I don't know, I was trying to be Thomas Jefferson, you know, or Abe Lincoln or something like that. I was trying to use all the big words and stuff like that. You know, just be yourself. I think one of the things that I've learned to do well and I'm proud of as a writer is when you read my books, it just is, it's like you basically hung out with me for a couple of hours or six hours or whatever, how long it takes one to read a book. And so putting yourself on the page in an authentic way. Now, obviously, if you're writing a treatise on the history of Shakespearean plays, you may not want to be conversational, right? That's a different kind of demand. But if you are sort of in your day-to-day -day life, writing and emails, in conversational tones, if you are speaking to people, just be yourself. And I think when we are ourselves, we are most powerful because nobody can be you as well as you, right? It's just, it's really hard to be as effective being somebody else as it is to be yourself. And so once you realize that, and once you kind of, you get comfortable putting yourself out there in a, in a very authentic way, and I hate the word authentic as you guys know, but kind of here it fits. You just kind of unlock something that is very powerful and that I think makes people listen and pay attention. So that's number one. Number two, that said, try to be clear and concise. So I don't write huge long sentences. I try to think about what it sounds like when it's written and read out loud afterwards. And I do that a lot. When I wrote my books, I would write a page and I would read it out loud and I would find that, you know, if you have 15 different clauses in there, it just, you get lost. And people appreciate clarity, right? And so thinking about how to do that 
using words that you understand the meaning of, it's fine to use big words or, or creative words. I love to mix it up. I don't like to repeat the same word over and over. I look for synonyms, of course. But just feeling the need to throw out big words to sound intelligent, it doesn't really doesn't really serve you or the reader, so don't do that. Number three, this is a perfect lead-in, perfect lead-in. Think about the reader. And this is really in the context I think about uh, as a writer of books in particular. I learned this from my editors. They told me this, and it was really good advice. The reader is the star of the show. You are not the star. The author is not the star. If it does not serve the reader, what you put in your book, if those things are of not of service to that reader, then do not include them. And you know what happens when you get your book deal? You're sort of like, oh, I have this story from when I was in seventh grade and this thing happened. It's so hilarious. I'm going to find a way to work it in. And so you do. You try. You do verbal gymnastics. You do, uh, I guess, a bunch of yoga to try to figure out how to work that into the book. And you know what? It's not very good. And then your editor says, why is this story here? And you say, well, because I really love this story. And they say, does it serve your reader? And you say, no, and you cut it. And it's really painful, by the way. You know what? Take that story and write a blog post. Okay, that won't hurt anybody. But do not put it in things that you are writing for an audience. Just don't do it. It's very unproductive and it's a little selfish. So what's good is once you get over that fear of cutting those things, then you're just, you're free, you know, because you're like, I don't have to put this story in. I've accepted that it just doesn't go there. Number four, facts matter. You got to do the research. Don't just ask ChatGPT. Love you, ChatGPT, but half the time you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, maybe more. You have to, you have to, you have to do the research. Find the sources. You have to have footnotes if appropriate. Be careful, especially if you're writing something that's going to be out there in the world in a newspaper, a blog post. It is very dangerous because misinformation is so harmful and there's so much of it out there. So just be better. Number five, this is really good. Find writers you love and read all their stuff. So I'll tell you, I have writers I truly love. I love Harper Lee. I do. I love Truman Capote. I love Jay McInerney. In fact, Jay McInerney, one time I was at a an event here in New York and he was in the room he was speaking at the New York Public Library and I was probably like 25, 24 and I brought his book, Bacchus and Me, which I don't actually have not read, but I brought that book and I had him sign it and I was so nervous. I mean, he must've thought I was such a strange person because I just was like shaking like a leaf because I love his book so much. Sorry, Jay, that was awkward. And then I saw him later at another event many years later and I was too shy to say hi. So Jay, if you're listening, I'm your number one fan. We should hang out. <laughs> Sorry, I was so awkward. I wouldn't do that again. Whit Stillman is another person. I've met him and I did go full fan mode on him. He wrote a book based on his movie Metropolitan and poor poor Whit probably thinks I'm, you know, chasing him around corners in New York because I'm such a fan. I love Claudia Pinero, who is from Argentina. I read her in Spanish. She's amazing. I had the chance to meet her and and I follow her on Twitter. So I send her pictures of her books. I Maybe I'm just a little bit of an author stalker because I'm such a word lover. I'm realizing this as I say this. Which brings me to number six, put your writing out there. You never know what would happen with your writing. You never, ever know. Get feedback. Be unafraid. It's okay. You can only learn from the experience. I know it can be stressful, but put it out there. Have a blog. Write for your paper. Write a letter to the editor if you have an opinion. 
go ahead and do it. You know, I did that with FOMO and look what happened. It was insane. So put your writing out there. It is so rewarding once you get comfortable with your writing and, and you have opinions on things and you put them out there, it just feels great to be able to be part of the conversation. And finally, last but not least, use tech to help you. I love Grammarly. Love me some Grammarly. I just subscribed finally. I used to just like copy and paste everything into their, into their browser. And then one day I was like, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. I use Grammarly mostly for spell check. It's just like a better spell check. I mean, I love you Microsoft Word, but no, your spell check is horrible. You should buy Grammarly and integrate it for free into your suites. I went on to pay for it. Microsoft, that's a note to you. But it is a really great tool, saves time. And there are some good grammar tips as well, although, you know, it's a computer, so it's not perfect. It lacks a little soul sometimes. But it is very, very powerful. So use tech. It's okay. It's totally allowed. All right, those are my seven. Be yourself. Be clear and concise. Number three, think about your reader. Reader's are star of your show. Number four, facts matter. Five, find the writers you love and even befriend them. Six, put your stuff out there into the world. And seven, leverage technology. All right, everybody, those are my thoughts. I'm sure you have your own. You can reach out to me on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, and of course, on email at letsconnect at patrickmcginnis.com. Have a wonderful week full of words. Pay attention to words this week. Just give it a little extra mind, time, attention. And I will see you back on Thursday with another episode of FOMO Sapiens. So until then, take care of yourselves, FOMO Sapiens. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 